We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. We've got plenty to talk about today. We're going to continue our summer review series today, breaking down the Detroit Pistons and the Memphis Grizzlies, the moves that they made, plus a little bit of news to get into and a little bit of telling the future. Keith, we need to look into the crystal ball and take a look at cap space coming up, not this summer, but next summer. Yeah, this summer is basically done. We're, we're in the books as far as... Uh... Our worlds are concerned with both the NBA and uh, uh, our real world life. Kids are back in school. <laughs> That's now, right. As uh, you know, we're already moving, and we're uh, you know, with that. And then we've got uh, you know the NBA is done ish. I guess we're we're still waiting on the trades. Everybody knows, yep. and we'll see if they ever happen. But uh, for now, yeah, we, we we've got a little bit of news that has trickled in, including a signing that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, and then we'll we'll start talking about next off season already because it's uh. I know there's a whole season in between, but you know this is how it works. You start preparing already uh, for next year, so we'll we'll get into all that as well as the Pistons and Grizzlies. I'm excited. All right, well let, let's jump through a, a few news topics and then uh, and then let's look ahead to, to future cap space and then we'll talk Pistons Good. and Grizzlies. Why don't we we'll order things that way here um, and let's just dive right into it. So Derek Jones Jr. Uh, signs with the Mavs, a, a one year deal, a little bit more help on the wing. Uh, what is this? What does this really mean? For, for the Mavs big picture. Is this is this a sign of any other moves that are coming or do we just take this for what it is? Yeah, I think this is probably more of a just kind of fill it, filling out the roster type, type of move. Jones Jr. is one of those guys who I know I've always really kind of liked him. I, I, I get super excited about those really athletic guys because I just start dreaming like, well, if they can just add a shot or they can handle mm -hmm. the ball a little better or whatever. And then... Some of them it happens and some of them it doesn't. Jones Jr. has kind of been one of the ones where it's never kind of clicked for him, especially since leaving Miami. Uh, you know, he kind of hasn't been the same guy, which is that's you know, a testament, I guess, to the heat and everything that they've been. So <clears throat> we'll see. My guess is just throw him in the mix now with a whole bunch of forwards. You know, Dallas still, we know they'd like to move JaVale McGee. I think they'd like to trade Tim Hardaway Jr. Wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a you know, package deal to bring in a higher salaried player and those kind of things. But it's going to be hard for Jones to crack uh, that front court rotation. You've got Grant Williams there. You've got Maxi Kleba. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the, the centers and Dwight Powell. You've got, um, uh, Derek Lively, Rashawn Holmes now too. Rashawn Holmes, yep. They're going to try to, you know, get back on track. So I, I don't know if there's a path to playing time for for Jones, but if there is, you know, run the floor, play defense, be you know active around the rim. Luca, Kyrie, they'll find him, and you know maybe that's how he gets on the floor. Yeah, uh, I mean he's a, a depth piece, not a not a bad one at that, and uh, just. Uh, again, this is the kind the kind of move that's going to go down right now. Not that there's a lot out there on the free agent yeah. market anyway. But like we've been saying, everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens with Damian Lillard, with James Harden. So the kind of deals that are going to get done right now, they're not exactly going to be earth shattering because everybody's kind of in, in pause mode with the exception of, you know, a couple little things here and there are going to are going to trickle through. That's that's what's happening here. But, you know, not a not a bad. It's a one year one year deal. Yeah. So it can't necessarily be bad just by nature. It can't be a bad uh, deal here for Dallas and, and worth a shot just to add uh, a little bit more depth, like you said, though given who they've added, especially when you put Grant Williams into the mix, eh, the path to playing time is not very clear in, in Dallas. Yeah, and to your point, one-year deal, 
it doesn't work out. You just move on and yeah. go go in a different direction. I just looked it up because I was curious. He's only 26. So, you know, Derek Jones still, you know, fairly young. Hasn't even you know, really hit those kind of wow. prime years. Yeah, I know. I would have guessed he was late 20s. At I, I would have guessed late 20s, maybe even 30. But yeah, yeah, 26. But came in the league as a 19-year-old uh, back in 2016. So, yeah, only 26. That doesn't he, He'll turn uh, 27 in the middle of February. So, wow. you know, maybe there's still some untapped potential there. And, you know, big thing is if he could shoot it better, he wouldn't be signing in the beginning part of August for the minimum. That's you know, just the reality. He just doesn't shoot it well enough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, uh, Keith, but since you, you mentioned that, you know, we're surprised that Derek Jones Jr. is in, in his mid twenties. Um, my fun fact that has surprised everybody is no longer true. Happy birthday, Andre Drummond. Today, <laughs> he is now 30. I, I was telling Andre Drummond is for a while. I was saying Andre Drummond is still not 30 years old, and nobody believed me. Today, yep. he is 30. Yeah, that is that one is nuts. That feels like <clears throat> no way that could be true because it feels like he's been in the one, it feels like he's been in the league for like 50 right? years already. Um, you know, so that, that we know wouldn't be possible, but yeah, that's that's crazy. I saw, uh, I can't remember if it was the NBA or the Bulls or the NBPA. They all do kind of those birthday tweets. Yeah. And I saw one of them earlier today where a bunch of people were responding like, wait, is this a typo? Like, this <laughs> is has this to a be joke? wrong. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Kristaps Porzingis. Is Kristaps Porzingis hurt? We've got <laughs> conflicting stories here. We've got some reports saying he's hurt. So maybe it was something with a foot or something like that. Uh, you know, we don't know the severity. And then... A report out of Latvia says no, he's not hurt. I don't. I, I think the the more pressing question is: Is Kristaps Porzingis ever truly one hundred percent healthy? That's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that may question. be the question, and that's <laughs> something the Celtics don't want to be asking, right? Like, sure. You know, especially after last year's experience with Danilo Gallinari getting injured over the summer and then missing the entire year, Porzingis obviously a far bigger deal because he's expected to start, be a huge part of things, and they gave him a two-year, $60 million extension. So you don't really want to start that with him being hurt. But I, I don't know. You know, this is going to be one of those ones where we're going to have to wait here probably another week or so until rosters finalized for the world cup before i think people will really feel okay about mm -hmm. all right i guess he is okay the report was that came out it was by by a european-based reporter who said porzingis uh has a foot injury and the celtics and the latvian basketball association were like working on how do we you know manage this like should he play should he not play yeah. in the world cup at the end of the month what does that look like then Latvia came out, they issued, I guess, a statement at practice the other day, which was like, there's nothing going on. And then they actually put out like an official statement that was like, this is false. There's you know nothing happening here. He's still you know moving forward as are we uh, with preparations for the World Cup. So mm. there wasn't a full like, no, there's no injury in there. Uh, that sentence did not exist, but they did deny like, hey, those reports are false. So. So I guess we'll we'll find out when we see if he's actually on the roster and then does he actually play or not. That's interesting because if you're if you're Latvia, he's you don't want reports getting because you you don't want to get that phone call from Boston saying no, yeah. shut him down. We don't we don't exactly. want to play. So it behooves you to say, oh no no, he's fine. Not saying that's wrong. Hopefully he is totally fine. Yeah, but that's just you know there's some motive there to to say oh no he's he's totally good right you know and we'll see. And when it's a player of this stature the teams generally have someone kind of around you know maybe not necessarily right there every single day not but like it's you like, and shams in vegas yeah yeah <laughs> pop, pop over there and see somebody right but it's like yeah so they've got somebody kind of around to hang out with and and go see and go go see those guys so that's where you know we'll we'll, we'll see you know kind of how that that all kind of comes together with, with that but it's um you know that's my guess is the Celtics are, you know, they're, they're at least well aware of whatever is going on. And I would think if there's any kind of issue, they would shut it down and say, nope, we're, we're pulling him. Like he can't play. And, and I know people think 
the NBA teams don't have the right to do that. They in like 99% of cases that they do because generally a player's contract prohibits playing any kind of outside basketball without team permission. So, so that's uh, you know, well, one of the things that gets, you know, prohibited along with, you know, that that's like falls under the clauses of you can't ride a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, uh, go, you know, I don't know, uh, rock climbing. I know it was a big one for a while there. Snowboarding. There's, yeah, it was very famous for Steve Nash had to have in there that he could play soccer. Like he he always had that like as a um, excluded uh, from there. Uh, like a, it's weird to say it this way, but like an excluded prohibited activity because yeah. he wanted to be able to play soccer and do all the stuff that he did there. So, so yeah. So my guess is, you know, if there's any hint of hey, he he might really be hurt, Boston would shut this down. Uh, how does that work? Just this is kind of an aside here, but how does that work? for like open run scrimmages and things like that, that we see guys participate in all summer. Yeah. There's usually kind of like a carte blanche, like, Hey, it's okay. Like, like we're, we're all right. Yo, but if there, if there is any word, like we can kind of, well, we'll either shut it down or if you get hurt in one of those things, there is always the potential, like it could void a contract. Like, Mm. like, you know, we, we know Montrez Harrell, for example, got hurt, you know, tore an ACL, um, in a, uh, you know, off season workout that's not going to void. They're not going to void his contract. And I don't know specifically if his has that language or not, but if it does, it's rare that a team would say, Hey, we're going to void the deal. It would have to be, Hey, you're doing one of the, you know, kind of more crazy extreme type right. sport things. And, you know, and generally that's also like, we also would like out of this deal anyway. So let's mm-hmm. try to go. And that'd be something that then it would get all tied up and fought and probably end up in arbitration and everything else. Cause it's not, these things are in oh, there, but they're not super cut and dry and very clear. So, you know, but okay. it's, it's very rare that any of that comes up. All right. Uh, the sun's retiring. Uh, Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion's jerseys are going to be in the ring of honor there in Phoenix. Uh, certainly worthy uh, of retirement. Both these players were a big part of the seven seconds or less sons and sort of changing the way that the game of basketball is played. Um, I remember the summer and I can't remember the exact year, but I remember the summer when everybody was talking about like, are the Suns really going to play fast? And people were scoffing at the idea that Sean Marion was going to slide down to power forward <laughs> yeah. from small forward and Stoudemire was going to slide down to center and the Suns were going to try to play fast and shoot a lot and people were saying, oh, it's not going to work and everything. And, and now here we are. Now, by comparison to today's NBA, the Suns actually played <laughs> kind of slow and didn't yep. shoot enough threes compared to how you know how far teams have taken it at this point. But uh, But... Nonetheless, worthy, worthy retirements here, uh, Jersey retirements for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, big time. I mean, these guys are, you know, really, they were massive parts of some extremely successful Suns teams. And I remember, so a couple quick things on this. I remember having, this is because the years we're talking about here, uh, do, do you know the first kind of year, seven seconds or less, if you had to guess? I want to say it was like, oh, four. Yeah, perfect. Is that right? 2004, 2005, yeah. Um, so we're talking, you know, almost 20 years ago, right? 19 seasons ago. Which is crazy because it feels <laughs> like it was yesterday, but that's because world. And that, by the way, great book, Seven Seconds or Less mm-hmm. by Jack McCallum. Yep. Really fun read on a lot of stuff with the Suns and how he gets into a little bit how people are like, this isn't going to work. But I'm going to go back to the the real gm message board days we used to argue all the time like like people would say the suns are a good defensive team and people were like no they're not they allow you know 100 and you know 10 points per so game fast. and you know whatever it was and it, then that was like my first introduction to like huh offensive and defensive rating and pace adjusted stats yep all those kind of things that, that was where, really where i started to really start to learn and understand those kind of things because those suns teams were always at worst middle of the pack and sometimes really good uh defensive teams this one also hits home for me a little bit because when i um originally moved to florida i would go watch amari stoudemire when i lived on the other side of orlando play in high school at Cypress Creek mm. high school. Um, we, we would go over there and watch uh, uh, him play, play games as a high schooler. And I was like, this kid's going to go straight to the NBA. So just, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, hitting home of like, Holy crap. Like guys, <laughs> I watch play in high school are retiring. Like I, I am far too old. You're like, Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. That, that's not good. That that can't be a good sign. But yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but but yeah, both these players. I mean, look at Sean Marion in terms of his ability to step out and shoot the three. As yeah. funny as his shot looked, his yep. ability to step out and shoot the three and and be, still be a factor on the boards and be quick and be versatile and, and all of that. And then of course Stoudemire, that pick and roll with Steve Nash was just absolutely devastating. So uh, so again, great great. Uh, decision here to we knew it was coming but great decision here by the Suns to retire these numbers and uh put them in their ring of honor sean marion and kevin martin you remember kevin martin uh -huh. the kings yep. and yep. A, a few other teams those were the two guys who taught me to i'm not going to worry so much about shooting form if it goes in <laughs> right if their form's repeatable and it goes in i don't really care what it looks like as long as they can get get the shot off and it goes in so that was uh you know two two guys there that really was like yeah, if it goes in, I don't really care what it looks like. Kevin Martin, part of the uh, the haul that the Thunder got for James Harden. Yes, yeah. <laughs> way back in the day, yeah. way back in the day. All right, Stephen Adams too. That's right. They're still going, right? Stephen Adams and James Harden still still going for still the trade. You can imagine anybody else's, right? Jeremy Lamb, kind of, kind of, still, nah, still kind of, sort of. Yeah, I have to look at who else was in that trade. But all right, let's talk uh, future cap space here. Keith, you put out a tweet earlier today about your 2024 cap space projections. Now, what is it that you're looking at when you're putting together these numbers? For those of you that are uh, podcast listeners, this is the way this this breaks down. Keith has the Spurs at just over 55 million in cap space leading the way. The Magic at 51 million in change. The Jazz at 41 million in change. The Hornets at 40.7 million. Pistons 38.7 million, 76ers at 32.9 million, Wizards at 20.1 million. So when you're putting this together, are you looking at, you know, this player is likely to pick up his option, the team is likely to do this, and then you're settling on a final number? Is that what we're looking at here? Yeah. So the first part, first is I use the NBA's official projection, <clears throat> which for next year is 142 million. So I'm using that number, not the 10%. That is the modest 4.4% official projection from the NBA. As that updates, I plug in the new number and we'll update all of these numbers. Then I do exactly what you, you said. I go through, I go through all the guaranteed salaries on the books, drop those in there. I don't project trades or anything like that. Sure. Cause it's, that's just too, too complicated um, with that. So like, for example, Damian Lillard, still a part of the, the trailblazers in this first passage projections because he's still on the trailblazers right now but as i go through it then yes i make a projection on every option and every uh partial or non-guaranteed contract do they stay or are they going to go i used um there's a projection model out there that i believe espn provided for next year's standings it's as good as anything right because mm -hmm. it's all kind of a somewhat of a guess but at least that's an educated guess so i use that to determine the draft picks i go through all right who owes what picks what are the protections get all the draft picks loaded in there as well, and then come up with the numbers. And these are the seven teams that I project to have cap space, as you mentioned. So a little interesting, right? Because so the Spurs topping the list at 55 million, a max salary for 24-25 uh, right now, if it's a the, the 10 plus years, like so the highest level max, the 35% is 49.7 million. Ooh. So that's barely you know, enough room to slide in a max guy there with, with this. So, so the Spurs and the Magic can both do that. The the 30% max salary um, is 42.6 million. And then the uh, lowest is 35.5 million. That's the 25% um, max salary. So again, as we get into these numbers, you start to get a sense of like, yeah, like when you're hearing all these things and like this team has max cap space or they can, you know, create two max slots and those sorts of things. And eh, maybe Not like really. the 76ers, for example, there's been a lot of stuff out there of, again, we talked a lot of yesterday's show when we talked about James Harden, they're trying to go for, for cap space, but at a minimum next year, they have, um, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey on the books. And that's if they were able to like clear out PJ Tucker's uh, contract as well. But Maxey and, and Embiid together, that's already $64 million. As I said, the cap's only projected to be $142 million. So 
Yeah, I mean, that's still a ton of cap space. Were you talking? That's what's that, 76 million or so, 78 million? Mm -hmm. So that's not even that's not even enough for two full maxes because that'd be you'd need, you know, 98, almost 9,900 million dollars. So, so that's just something to kind of keep in mind as you, you know, hear these reports and go through. That's why we do this early pass. I'll have a full article up on Spot Track either later today or maybe tomorrow that lists all this out plus where the other 23 teams are right now. Are they projected to be over the, the tax? Are they projected to be a mid-level team? Are they projected to be up and over the second apron and into the super tax? You know, where's that going to be? You know, where is everybody kind of sitting? So so that'll all come out, uh, you know, sometime in the next couple of days. And it'll just give you a sense of right now, essentially about a year out, where are we sitting? And then we tweak and adjust as everything goes forward and moves forward with extensions and option decisions and trades and all the things that will happen over the next several months. So when you're looking at this list, which of these teams do you think is the most dangerous in terms of being a landing spot for, and we talked about it yesterday, there's not a ton of free agents out there. It's not like this just crazy free agent class where there, there's all these guys to choose from, but should somebody decide to make a leap, who do you think is the, the most dangerous on this list to go and, and get somebody? Yeah, I mean, I would think the top three teams, the Spurs, the Magic, and the Jazz, and not just because I know that's easy because they have the most money to spend, but also I think the Spurs, if Wembenyama is what we think he might be, and a couple of their other guys take a step forward, you could see them be a team where, much like the Rockets this year, Hey, that one or two veteran free agents that are like, yeah, I can lift them. Like, I'll go there. I'll be the team, the guy who helps get them uh, forward and into the playoff picture. So that the magic, they're in somewhat similar boat. I think, you know, maybe a, a year, a half year ahead of where the Spurs are just in the building process and building up. And then the Jazz are already a pretty good team. And this is not that with the Jazz this doesn't project them losing a single member of their core mm. kind of really good group. Cause you know, they've done some smart things with renegotiating and extending Jordan Clarkson. They used a bunch of their cap space this year to go get John Collins. Um, my guess is a large chunk of that 41.6 million would go to a renegotiation and extension for Laurie Markkinen. That makes sense. Uh, they try to keep him in the fold uh, long-term, not even expose him to free agency and go that way. But if, you know, they were like, hey, you know, kind of a wink and a nod. We'll take care of you a year from now. Um, you know, we, we can kind of go go down that path. So so we'll see, you know, where, where that all goes. But those three teams jump out at me. Philly, obviously, because you have Embiid and Maxi already in place. But $33 million, I mean, you're talking, that's like two signings and you're out of space yeah. already. So, you know, Daryl Morey's got some work to do. But if he could shed P.J. Tucker, if they drop Paul Reed, now you're talking you're up around 50 plus million and that that's that's a different spending tier right now now you're in a different world yeah which they certainly can do that and you know that Daryl Morey is is capable of doing the cap gymnastics required in order to open up that space so they'll, they'll certainly be a team to keep an eye on but it is interesting to see you know projecting forward who's going to have cap space next summer and again we talked about this a little bit yesterday that cap space it's not always used to sign players, but it also seems like it's becoming less valuable in today's NBA with less stars signing team for teams, you know, directly into cap space. Instead, we're seeing trade situations. Now, again, cap space can be very useful in trade situations as well, but it's just something to, to keep in mind. This doesn't mean that these teams are going to go load up on the next stars. They may have the opportunity to, to do so. It's just becoming less frequent in, in today's NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're in a completely different world than the one you know you and i kind of grew up on where mm -hmm. it was every few years teams loaded up to make runs at free agents now it's yeah you know we're probably going to extend our own guys we're going to move forward that way and then we kind of go in that direction yep yep all right keith let's get into our uh our summer breakdown here let's start with the detroit pistons today we have the pistons and the memphis grizzlies to talk about so let's transition over into that mode, and we'll start with uh, with Detroit. I think the you know the biggest thing, right off the bat, Kate Cunningham being healthy is yeah. so so important for Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. I, in a lot of ways, that's kind of their biggest addition to to the to the roster from last year. Played in very few games uh, last season for the Pistons. So I what was it ten? Maybe it's, it's like in that range. If not, I'm going to look that up. Just How many to, games he actually sure. played? Yeah, I think it was only 10. Uh, or maybe it was more. 
12. It wasn't a lot. Close. Yeah, 12 12 games. They were pretty good games, 19.9 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, six assists, nearly a steal, uh, you know, half a block, not bad for a guy who mostly plays out on the perimeter. Shot was, let's leave that alone. We'll, we'll, you know, hope for improvement there. Sure. But lost year for him, right, when you really needed that year of development. So getting him back in the fold, huge for this team. He, as much as there's other guys on this roster, I like, I like Jaden Ivey. I like uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. I like Jalen Duran. Like, those are are good players, but Cade Cunningham could be a star. And we're hearing great stuff out of Team USA and all the things that are going on with him there. So I think, um, you know, that's, that's, that that's yeah that's the biggest addition if you will as i put that in quotes right yep yeah i agree that's going to be big for the detroit pistons is this uh finally the year i say finally it's not like he's been with them forever but uh so many rumors do they move bogdanovich this year or is this just hey let's keep him on and and let's see if we can squeak into that nine or ten seat or, or something like that yeah i think i think the Pistons' hope is by the time we hit the trade deadline, we're still in the mix, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're still in the mix to make the play-in tournament, and if that's the case, Bogdanovich sticks, probably Burke sticks, uh, Joe Harris and Monte Morris, who they added this this offseason, those guys probably both stick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, yeah, we're, we're moving forward with, with this group. They, they didn't trade Bogdanovich and Burks at the, the trade deadline. They We knew then they were probably keeping both of them this summer because – they could have got a pretty nice you know, return for those guys last year from contending teams. And the whole idea was we want to be good next year. We think, you know, growth from our kids, getting Cade Cunningham back. We have the makings of a team that can be decent. Now, this is the, the range where we talk about it's not every measure of good is we made the playoffs. We're contending yeah. for the title. It could be for the Pistons have a good season for me would be be in the mix in February around the trade deadline, still be in the mix to make the postseason. You've had a good year. Then, you know, we'll see where it goes over the last month and a half, two months of the season. But I think, you know, if that's where you are, you're, you're in, you're in a pretty good place. So, and I think there are, there are additions this summer, you know, Joe Harris helps. Just Could be underrated team. that one. You know, yeah. Have another guy in there. I think that's good. And then Monte Morris, I think is good. If let's say you get to a point where it's like, you know, Cade Cunningham being our primary on ball guy as, you know, kind of our point guard, not necessarily going the way we want. We'd like to see another guy. Well, Monte Morris is great yeah. in that role, right? You just plug him in and you just go, go forward. If nothing else, those are two really good solid veterans coming off your bench that have both come off the bench for a lot of lot in their career that can help kind of prop up these lineups i think if you're detroit your big thing you're looking for is when we go to the bench we don't want it to fall apart right we don't want to turn five point leads into 10 point deficits or you know five point deficits into 20 point deficits we want to be able to turn that over and you know stay in you know as we turn over to our bench stay in these games you'll be 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 close and go from there well, and then we need to talk about uh, Oscar Thompson, of course, yeah. their, their draft pick and Marcus Sasser as well. But but they've added some talent there too, uh, potentially some high upside talent. So that's something to keep an eye on in terms of the future of this Pistons team. Well, I think they've added some pieces, certainly, you know, Joe Harris, Monte Morris, who can, can help them in the present. The future sure looks bright here in Detroit as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Asar Thompson, I, I'm really excited to see um, what that looks like with him. Um, does he crack the rotation right away? You know, what does that look like? Monty Williams, obviously a huge addition to this team as sure. the head coach, got that, you know, super long, super rich uh, coaching contract. So, you know, the Pistons really, they he was their guy and they, they paid to get him. So I think as we you know, look at that kind of addition to this, um, you know, group, the nice thing for Monty Williams is he's not coming in with any of these kids and saying, all right, you all get all the minutes because there's nobody else, yeah. right? It's going to be, if you get minutes on this team right out of the gate, it's either because there was an injury or you earned it, right? And we hope it's the second one, right? And that's right. where we're for Sar Thompson. I, I just got to kind of wonder, like, where's it going to come? Because he's really a 2-3 right now. And if you look at their 2-3 line, you're talking Jaden Ivey, Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Harris. Then you've got kind of the carryover guys like Isaiah Livers is still there. 
if Cunningham has to move off ball at all, you know, he's got to kind of play there. And even if I know some have said, well, maybe Thompson could be a big point guard. It maybe it could be, but even there, now you're talking Cunningham's probably going to start the year. Then you got Monte Morris. He's going to be competing with Marcus Sasser, who's a little older, ready to go. I, I think eventually Thompson's athletic ability will be too much to keep off the floor. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to find a way to get him in there and some kind of injury will pop up and it'll get his minutes that way. But I don't know that it's a super clean and easy uh, path to playing time for him right out of the gate. And that's maybe not the worst thing, right? He's probably going to need some adjustment and development time uh, coming out of overtime elite, making the jump to the NBA. And then last thing we need to get into here. I, I mean, I think the most questionable decision by Detroit over the summer was the four-year, $60 million extension for Isaiah Stewart. I'm not saying it's bad, but given the depth of their big rotation, given the fact that, I mean, you've got guys like, like James Wiseman, you know, you've got other guys that can, that can man these, these positions, uh, Marvin Bagley, right? What, what do you think about that decision to extend Stewart for that long and then how do things shake out at, at the big position yeah I like to say this is the four-way steel cage match right you throw yeah. them all in there and let them battle it out and you know last two guys standing probably play a lot the problem is Bagley can play the four right and I think we'll probably start at the four mm-hmm. uh, for this team unless they really are like we got to get more shooting on the floor or whatever and then he'll start next to Either he started next to Wiseman at the end of the year, but if Duran overtakes Wiseman, <clears throat> two of those guys will start. And then Isaiah Stewart, I think, is in kind of his best role, which is come off the bench, play with a ton of energy, mm-hmm. just kind of you know bang bodies, fly up and down the floor, make things happen. Kind, of, I think of him as a potentially better version of Montrezl Harrell, and Montrezl Harrell was really good yeah. in that kind of role for a while. What's interesting with Stewart though is he took over four three pointers per game last season he didn't shoot it at a great percentage but that's okay right that's part of what last season was about if he starts knocking those down now you have a completely different look at a different kind of player right now you're saying all right hey he could be a four or five instead of just a kind of smaller five right i'm in the mix but yeah i mean it's going to be fun if nothing else as a kind of outsider as not a non-pistons fan because i don't necessarily and i mean this with all the love in the world of the pistons and their fans I don't really care who emerges out of, out of that group. I just care that it's, you know, a, a battle and somebody does emerge. So for me, like I'm going to have fun watching and tuning in and watching mm-hmm. these guys go to work every night and just kind of figure it out on the fly and figure out what they are. The the main most head to head battle it's, it's Wiseman against Duran. And, and yeah. that's going to be, that's going to be really fast, especially when we've heard, I mean, rave reviews about Jalen Duran out of team USA, out of, out of the, the select team playing against, uh, against the against Team USA, Duren was one of the guys that got named as as having played really really well and yeah. and, and really combined well with Kate Cunningham. So what does that mean heading into Pistons training camp? That's going to be, I don't want to say one of the most important camp battles around the sure. NBA, but it's going to be one that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. And I'll I'll just speak to the James Wiseman part of it all. Last year, this is just with the Pistons. I'm taking the Warriors part out because we all know that was that was a mess. And mm-hmm. he was the only kind of part of things there. 24 games, uh, 22 starts with the Pistons, 25 minutes per game. So that's good. He stayed on the floor, right? He wasn't just going out there committing three fouls in the first quarter and getting bounced. Yeah. 12.7 points per game, 8.1 rebounds per game. I get it, right? They were ter- they were a terrible team. They weren't playing meaningful basketball over those 24 games he played. But that's better than what we'd seen out of James Wiseman quite a bit over the last couple of years. So I'm not out on James Wiseman. Sometimes big men take a while to figure it out. I'm still in. The talent is there with James Wiseman. I think, you know, for Detroit, someone is going to emerge as a good starting center out of that group of three out of Wiseman, Stewart, and Duran. And that's a great place to be in, right? Yeah. You're, you're in a spot where, you know, hey, we got these guys under team control. You know, we can figure it out. We can sort it out. Overall, this year for the Pistons, I know there's our, they started last year and it's starting again. Pistons are my sleeper in the East. You know, they, they might, you know, make a run mm-hmm. and be, you know, a team that could grab the eight seed. Yeah, maybe. I don't think so. I, again, 
let's play meaningful basketball into February. And then let's see where it goes from there uh, with this Detroit team. Much kind of like Orlando a year ago, right? You were kind of in it until the end. Indiana, you were kind of in it, but not fully in it with you know a few weeks to go. If that's where Detroit is, that's a successful season and you built on, on what you had. Yeah, I mean, they'll be – look, if you can get Cade Cunningham healthy and if you can get – you know, the kind of battles in the in the middle that we're talking about here. You can get, you know, Joe Harris to come in and knock in some threes for you. Bogdanovich continue to do Bogdanovich things and, and all of these things happen. Then at the very least, it's gonna be a lot more fun this season for the Pistons yep. than it was last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're they're yeah, let's just not have a lost season, right? Because that's that's you can't have that again, right? Because that that's that's kind of the disaster season, right? right? One of these key young guys gets hurt and and go. I also too. I know some people are they're a little down on Jaden Ivy. I think he's pretty good, man. He he's tough. He knows how to play. He knows how to get himself to the foul line. I think he knows how to play on and off the ball. I'm I, I'm in on most of Detroit's young players. I I think this team's going to end up being pretty good. All right, let's head down south. Let's take a let's trip to Tennessee and talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. Who my they have a lot going <laughs> yeah. on. I don't even yeah. know where to start here. I mean, we've got obviously they made a big they made a big trade this summer. Yeah. Um, they also have to deal with their star is gonna be out for a little bit here to start the season. So I mean uh, where do you where do you want to start <laughs> with Memphis, Keith? There's so many different ways sure. that, that we could go. It's, I guess let's start with Jaw. So Jaw's gonna be out to, to start the season. Do, did they make the moves necessary, especially with losing Jaw and Tyus Jones? Because it used to be just Jaw's out. Okay, Tyus, here you go, and, and we can stabilize ourselves that way. Jaw's going to be out, and Tyus Jones is is gone now too. Did they make the moves necessary to tread water until John Morant gets back? All right, so I'm going to take it a step further because I'm okay. going to add Dylan Brooks into that same yes. kind of conversation, right? So you're down two starters to open the year and your sixth man in, in Tyus Jones. So now you basically replace those two guys because I don't think Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd, they're probably not going to make the roster. They're there right now, but those guys were added as part of trades that were designed to do other things for the Grizzlies. So it's really you replace Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones with Marcus Smart and Derek Rose. What I think happens with Marcus Smart is, my guess is he opens the year as the team's starting point guard, mm -hmm. and then they'll piece it together at the three, right? It may, maybe they go small and start a guy like Luke Kennard because they do go big in the, the front court with Adams and Jackson. So you could probably afford to go slightly smaller um, if you want with Luke Kennard for shooting. Maybe they Zaire Williams two years ago looked like he might be the future starting small forward. Last year, completely wasted season for him because of injuries. Maybe go with him. Maybe David Roddy steps forward. Jake Laravia. We'll see how they get there. But I think Smart starts the year as the one, right? He's your primary lead ball handler. Then Derek Rose slides into the Jones role as the backup. 20, what is it? 20, 20, 25 games, whatever it is for John Moran. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's 25. Yeah, I think you're right. When he gets back, then what happens, and obviously I'm presuming health and everything, Smart slides into the Dylan Brooks role, which might sound a little weird because he is like six foot three, six foot four. Yeah. But Marcus Smart, his entire career, has been able to defend twos, threes, fours, even some of the smaller fives in the league. He's fine in that role. Jaw slides in, obviously, as the starting point guard. And then Derek Rose, if he's still going and going strong, holds the backup role, or Smart kind of starts at the three and then slides over as the backup two. And that's just kind of how you played up. That's my guess. And because of that, yeah, I think they did enough. I think, you know, I, I think that's fine. I mean, you have now the last two defensive players of the year on your team and Jackson and smart. You're, you're, you're starting from a better place than a lot of other teams are considering you're replacing at least to open the season for the first third of the year, three, two, three major rotation guys, two starters. And We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your sixth man. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, and something we we forget about uh, and maybe and shouldn't is, is Stephen Adams be coming back. I mean, he was was missing for the the a good chunk of the season last year, including the playoffs for the Memphis Grizzlies. And, and you've got him back in the mix too. So I mean, and he is, I mean, we know Herculean strength from Stephen. <laughs> he he can he can end fights by simply picking players up, uh, walking so, away, yeah. walking away with them, yeah. carrying them off like a like a piece of luggage. Uh, Stephen Adams <laughs> out there with Marcus Smart. With Jaron Jackson Jr., that's potentially terrifying defensively. That that grouping that could be very very good. Uh, my sense at the time was that it was maybe a little bit much to give up the both first in order to get smart. But if this works, if if the Grizzlies kind of if this all gets melded into a a grit and grind identity that seems to just permeate the the Grizzlies franchise, if all of this comes into it comes into fruition there. It, it could work out very, very well. Uh, the the kind of defensive gritty identity that you're trying to create could really work out here with Marcus Smart, with Stephen Adams, with Jaron Jackson Jr., with all the pieces that they've got here. Could be great. Um, Brandon Clark. Is is there any? Ch- I mean, I, I don't. I haven't looked yeah, at the latest so. updates, but he could be a real difference maker too if they could get him back at some point this season. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're talking super late in the year if he's back at all yeah and that would be my my guess i mean he tore the achilles so late in the year that he's probably not you know gonna return and play uh this season for for the grizzlies but i think they're okay because santi aldama really stepped forward a year Mm -hmm. ago improved like hey and it's funny that's one where right we don't overrate summer league he was dominant in summer league like could not be stopped and then that translated right into the regular season, and he really played well. Um, just for those who maybe missed it, nine points per game, five rebounds, but that's only in 22 minutes a game, most of them coming off the bench. 47% from the field, and some might be like, for a big guy? Eh. But he took three and a half threes and knocked him down at 35% um, per, per uh, you know, field goal percent. Uh, there so that's a pretty good rate uh, hitting you know, from, from deep for uh, uh, Santi Aldama. So I think you know, him sliding in there, you've got uh, uh, David Roddy in mm-hmm. there is, is another guy. I know they're super high on Xavier Tillman. Xavier Tillman, yeah. You know, did, did some stuff. I mean, I'm not going to say he, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think AD's having Xavier Tillman nightmares, but he at least no. made him work, right? Sure. He, you know, at least made him work for the things um, that, that he, he had to get there. So they like him. They really, uh, st- they're very high on Kenneth Lofton Jr., who's, for my money, he's, we just he's got to shoot it better because he can't be a five he's just too small and not athletic enough at his size to be a five but i think he's going to be um if he shot it better and could play the four and move his feet a little better then all of a sudden you might really have some so i think they've got enough front court depth to overcome clark 
big thing that they've got kind of going for them too is even with John Morant being out, their continuity is really good. They're yeah. returning 15 players from last year. That's inclusive of their two two-way guys, which if you're watching this, you can see Jacob Gilliard and Vince Williams Jr. Um, they're on two-year two-way deals. But they're so they're returning basically their entire roster except for Brooks and Jones. Now it's tough because you're losing a couple key contributors there. But that continuity is big too, right? Taylor Jenkins doesn't have to do stuff. And the guys they added that are coming in, Smart and Rose, those guys have been in the league forever. So they should be able to just slide in and do whatever it is they're asked to do and just move forward. So I think this Grizzlies team's going to be really, really good again. Um, their big thing is just be good while John Morant is out. You'll be, you know, just be in the mix games over 500. You know, keep your head above water and then you can maybe really take off. You know, when it goes from there, I think this year, let's get Steven Adams minutes down. Um, even more, I know, you know, what, what was he at a uh, season ago? He was only at 27 minutes, but let's get that down 24, 25, really probably kind of split it. But I think the confidence that they have that Tillman can do it. You might see weird lineups with this team too. You could slide Jackson over and play, you mm-hmm. know, four guard lineups around those and play super fast and really open the floor up for John Morant and do different stuff. So I think they've got some different uh, uh, lineup options and versatility that they haven't had in years past. You know, I, I've got two things to, to close things out on, on Memphis. Number one, does Marcus Smart actually dye his hair blue as we saw in the, I think it was the ESPN graphic when the trade was, was first announced because I think we need to make that happen. He had green hair when he was with the Celtics. He needs to have his hair blue. So I don't with, think with he's going to. The green hair was a thing for his mom. Um, ah, he passed away, okay. unfortunately, uh, due to cancer a few years back. And his mom liked that he had the green hair. So I think he's he, he's, he said, you know, we'll see. You know, but he explained, like, I, I do the green hair for my mom. So he may stick with the green. But but we'll see. It wouldn't surprise me if he if he breaks it out. He's also been known at times. Uh, a couple of years ago, he he, he uh, had it braided into a shamrock mm-hmm. on uh, opening night and then dyed the shamrock green. So he's done a lot of different different fun stuff. So so we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. I didn't realize the the mom angle yeah. to that. So maybe that does does change it. But that was pretty cool. The ESPN graphic that yeah. changed not not only swapped the jersey but swapped the <laughs> hair color yep. as well. Uh, and then and the next thing, Jake Laravia. Uh, this is a guy who impressed me in, in summer league this year. And summer league is not the end all be all. But just not expecting to be like a big rotation guy this year or anything. But just somebody to keep an eye. Like he popped a bit in summer league, especially against my Lakers. He was fantastic. Um, a guy to keep an eye on for sure with this Grizzlies roster. Yeah, if they can get one out of Zaire Williams, Jake Laravia, and David Roddy to pop and be a full-time rotation guy, that's huge. You know, and that's you when you got three guys kind of eyeing for that spot, that that's big. That's why I think they were very confident in letting Dylan Brooks go beyond the whole more kind of tired of his nonsense and all right, the stuff right. with that. I think that's why the Grizzlies were like, Hey, we have guys who quite frankly, if Dylan Brooks was back, he's going to play 30 minutes a night. You need the minutes to go to some of these other guys to really find out. And I, I'm going to bet on Zaire Williams personally. I just, he was really figuring it out as a rookie two seasons ago towards the end of the year as they, they were really making that, that run into the playoffs. I there, there's just something there. If he's healthy, I'm I'm gonna bet on him. I like the talent. I like the skill set. I, I think he's gonna have a shot uh, to be pretty good. The the thing I'll close with is there's still 13.4 million dollars under the tax, Ooh. so plenty of room if they need to make a trade. This is a team that uh, they openly owned. We're close to probably having to make some consolidation moves here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll see if that's something that they do in season that they, they own all of their own draft picks uh moving forward i believe still um so that's that's something that's you know really kind of important for them uh as well so they're, they're in a spot where yeah they don't have that warriors pick a- anymore but they're, they're in a place where they can really do do some stuff you know going down the line um, into the next uh, couple of years. So I think that's that's good. They've got some swap stuff going mm-hmm. on with Phoenix from that kind of goofy trade that they made where it was here's a million seconds for, for this. But the reason they could even do those kind of things was look at how full the roster is. And all these guys are in a contract. Last thing I'll say too is this is kind of the last year to go do some big consolidation trade and add salary to the roster. They were going to be right around the super tax line. 
a year from now because you've got all the extensions start kicking in for all these guys. Desmond Baines will kick in. Uh, John Morantz is in there now. Jaron Jackson Jr. is in there. So you're starting to become a pretty expensive team. So you've kind of got one more year, year to spend. So I'm very curious to see how this comes together for this Grizzlies team. Not only on the floor, but what does it look like as we get into February before they get to be super expensive uh, next July? And they did pop up in trade rumors this past year. I want to say they were connected to OG and Anobi yeah, off were. the top of my yep. head as yep. potentially a landing spot there. So you could see where they could put together a few of these contracts and maybe go get somebody, if uh, depending on how the market develops between now and the February trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, when you can throw together, you know, two, three, four contracts that can get you up to, you know, 20, 30 million, and you're not even necessarily touching your core group. Yeah, that's what well, what a great place to be in, right? They they are in a spot where there's a lot of different things this team can do. So I'm I'm very very high on this Memphis team. I think they'll be one of the best teams in the West again mm-hmm. in the regular season. Their thing now is all right. You were a cute story the last couple of years, but we're done with that. We 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 move on very quickly. You go from being cute to are you ever going to win, right? And now right. it's like all right, it's time, right? They they need to make a real push to at a minimum, the conference finals, if not, you know, may make a real fight for the NBA finals. Cause otherwise we're going to, the, the conversation we'll be having uh, going into next off season is, all right, is it time to maybe go in a different direction with a mm-hmm. couple of these guys? That's just how quick it moves in the NBA. I know it sounds like this team just came into being a couple years ago in this, this uh, group, but, but that's just how it works. Yeah, the Grizzlies could very quickly flip from bearish territory to bullish, depending on how nice. this season not, plays out. Like and on that, it's not going to get any better than that. So, <laughs> so we might as well. We might yeah, as I mean, well the show's there. getting a little grizzly, so we should probably. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening and watching the NBA front office show here. Make sure you are following us over on YouTube. Turn on those notifications. Hit that like button for us as well. And then over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you follow the show there. You can take us with us, where, with you, wherever you go. You need to mow the lawn. You need to go to the gym. You're taking a, a trip, whatever. Download the podcast version of the show as well, and you can take us with you. Hey, I forgot. We got to do the next two teams. Oh, yes. Let's yeah. finish with that. Let's go. Spin the Let's wheel. See. Let's see. Spin the wheel. Pat. We are doing the Toronto Raptors and the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. All right. All right. Here it is. Good ones. So now you know know what you have looking forward to. Uh, <laughs> now that we spent Raptors fans were not super happy with us after last show. No, well, you know what's funny though? There was somebody who I who I appreciated that hey, we're confused too. Like I yeah, I don't understand what my team's supposed to be here. So there there's some who get it, right? For sure. Right. Right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, for joining us. Till next time, see ya, and stay safe.